Yo, what's going on, everyone? I am Tommy, and that is Gary. Buddha G's in the house. We have a live audience today. Shout out our third roommate, Thomas. He's in the building. So big news. The Super Bowl is set. It is going to be the Tampa Bay Buccaneers versus the Kansas City Chiefs. Yeah, back to our last podcast, Tom. Looks like each of us got one pick right and one pick wrong. Uh, it'll be interesting to see later on if, if we decide to uh, stay with who we picked, we're going to win the Super Bowl. Yeah, so let's go ahead and look at Sunday's first matchup between the Bucks and the Packers. Yeah, it was a it was a pretty emphatic lead early on for the Bucks, taking a 21-10 lead after a, a terrible miscue from the Packers. Uh, Bucks went in the half up 21-10. Uh, I thought you know this game could have been over for sure at the halfway point. Yeah, Tom Brady looked really really good early in the game, making a few great amazing passes. You know, typical of Tom. Uh, but as the game kind of winded down, you really saw him kind of fall off a little bit. Yeah, he threw like three picks in the third quarter. It's definitely very unprecedented from Tom. Uh, I know he had a, a deflection from Mike Evans, probably still Tom Brady's fault, but an unfortunate circumstance there. But, you know, the score went all the way up to 28-10 for the Packers. I mean, excuse me, for, for the Bucks. And I was like, man, do, do we think Aaron Rodgers has it in him? Uh, it, it was it was definitely scary to see for, for the Packers' chances to win. Yeah, I mean, if there's one guy to kind of be able to lead a comeback like that, uh, I think it would be Aaron Rodgers. Uh, he's done it all his career. He's definitely got a very elite arm, one of the best to ever do it. So I was definitely, you know, weary of, of the 28-10 win or 28-10 lead. I definitely thought the Packers could come back. But as it turned out, he just uh, didn't have enough in him. Yeah, they definitely did make it close. Ended up losing 31-26. to um, I, I agree with you, Rodgers one of the best and if anyone was going to lead back from a deficit that great it would have been him but bucks did enough to hold on for the w yes yeah, interesting the packers have lost their last four nfc championships games i i don't know i don't want to say that's on aaron Rodgers, but they've switched multiple coaches now so what do you think is kind of the issue there yeah i i don't know if anyone remembers a few years back that crazy game against seattle where they had the truck play at the end of the game to force it to overtime and then ended up winning uh last year they got trounced by atlanta Excuse me, actually they lost the 49ers two years ago to Atlanta, got trounced. Um, I don't know, man. It's hard to blame a guy like Aaron Rodgers and say it's his fault. You know, I'm sure he could have done more. I'm sure other weapons could have done more. I'm sure their defense can do more. I think all around everyone just needs to elevate their game in a championship scenario, and they haven't been able to do it the last four times they were in it. Yeah, after the game, Aaron Rodgers was quoting saying that there's a lot of uncertainty for him along with the other, along with a lot of the other players on the Packers. Obviously, they drafted Jordan Love this year in the draft, and they really like that kid. So it's going to be interesting to see what they decide to do with Aaron Rodgers. He is still, you know, right up there for the MVP this year and easily could take it home. It's going to be ridiculous if, if they let him go, but I can definitely see them maybe moving forward with Jordan Love. Yeah, I'd be interested to see what his contract looks like, how many years he has left. Um, I agree. You know, I think he's going to win the MVP this year, so I would be really hard-pressed to, to see the Packers get rid of him. Uh, and less just what we can't see from Jordan Love, you know, Monday through through Saturday during practice. He's just showing great leaps and bounds, and they're ready to give him the ball. Uh, I, I think you got to keep uh, Rodgers around a, a few more years personally. I agree. I don't think it's anything like with what the Chiefs did with Alex Smith and Patrick Mahomes. A lot of people were, you know, questioning that move, and Patrick Mahomes is, is clearly one of the best already. Um, I don't think it's anything like that because you're kind of getting rid of a guy in Aaron Rodgers who, like you just said, played at MVP level, probably will bring home the MVP uh, so I don't think it's time to make the transition yet. I think this Packers team can give it a, another, you know, 
go or two with Aaron Rodgers at the helm. Yeah, I think it's kind of an interesting scenario for Rodgers. So obviously, he came in far. Obviously, a little different scenario. But far, I was getting a bit older. wasn't on an MVP season, but uh, it must feel kind of weird for Rodgers. You know, having a young buck getting ready to push him out, even though he still thinks he's got game. Um, obviously, if for some reason he does move on from the Packers, I think wherever he goes, he's going to be successful and and going to definitely elevate any team that he does go to. But I hope he stays in Green Bay. I agree. So let's move ahead and go over to the AFC Championship. We had the Buffalo Bills versus the Kansas City Chiefs. Yeah, Bills started quick 9-0 and after a fumble from Hardman off that punt put Bills in great scenario. Obviously, Kansas City is probably the best offense. Put up two quick scores up 14-9. to uh, I was expecting a little bit more from the Bills defense, I'll be honest with you. I don't know what your thoughts are. Uh, I was I was kind of disappointed in their performance. Yeah, I mean, my picks were the Bucks and the Bills. I'm really high on this uh, Buffalo Bills team. I love Josh Allen. I love Stephon Diggs. I think they're really well-rounded, well-rounded team. Um, I was definitely disappointed in, in this performance that they gave today. I definitely could have seen them walking away with the dub. But this Chiefs offense, man, is unstoppable once it gets going. Yeah, I agree. They definitely have so many different weapons. And and one spot that kind of surprised me as far as the Bills' offense, uh, they were in the red zone five times and only converted for two touchdowns. Uh, I know there was one at the end of the first half. They ended up kicking a field goal. Uh, but they definitely had a lot of chances to score and try and keep up with this team, and they just couldn't get it done. And part of me thinks that goes kind of towards the coaching staff. There's a lot of opportunities where maybe you do go for it on fourth and down or fourth and goal, fourth down uh, in this game where they did not. Uh, obviously you kind of have to make decisions like that when you're playing the Chiefs, probably the best offense in the NFL. So when you can get points, you really need to get them up on the board. Yeah, speaking of a, a great offense, Mahomes, you know, there was a little at the beginning of the week if he was going to play, cleared concussion protocol and absolutely balled out 300-plus yards, three TDs, had a miraculous game for him. Uh, nothing special, though. Uh, you know, he's been in these great scenarios and, and really flourished. Yeah, I mean, having Travis Kelsey and uh, Tyree kill out, on both sides of the football are, you know, something extremely special for this Chiefs team. Mahomes can really just dish it out however he wants to. Uh, they were, I think, the first duo to have back-to-back 100-yard receiving games in, the, in one postseason. So, uh, I mean, he's got some very explosive and special weapons surrounding him. Yeah, and I also know that the Kansas City run game obviously gets overlooked with Mahomes and all their weapons, but they ran for over 100 yards as well, showing some balance. Uh, all in all, man, this is a scary offense for, for this year and the Super Bowl and years to come. So it would be great to see what, what they could put forward uh, two weeks from now. Yeah, and for the Bills, it's sad to see them get bounced out here in the AFC Championship game. Uh, but it's not going to be the last time we see them. Josh Allen is a very, very special talent, and I think he could be one of the best quarterbacks uh, for the next decade. So I definitely see uh, him back in this situation again. Yeah, I agree. I definitely think they're a top-five team in the NFL for years to come. So like we said, Super Bowl matchup is on the table we have last generation's goat versus the next generation of qb uh we have tom brady versus patrick mahomes yeah i i think this is this is kind of weird you know rogers getting up in age breeze just announced his retirement and you got tom brady they're kind of the last three of the old guys obviously rogers going up against uh the new generation of guys we already mentioned uh allen and then we got mahomes this is going to be kind of a passing of the torch game uh, I would love to see Brady get it done maybe one final time, but uh, it's going to be exciting to watch nonetheless. Uh, do you think Tom has anything you know to prove? Oh, man, this is tough. I know the conversation was, oh, Tom Brady was only successful because he was in New England uh, and, and with Bill Belichick and kind of the, the pedigree that they've built up over the years. It's hard to say. Man's got six rings. We we see where the Patriots ended this season. I kind of think he's answered any of the hate. Obviously, Brady wants to win 
as many rings as he can. But I, I really personally don't think he has anything to prove, and he's going to go down as the greatest quarterback of all time. I agree. I mean, I already thought he was the GOAT, but what he's done with the Bucks this year after leaving uh, New England has been more than anyone could have expected out of him, and, and I think it definitely uh, goes down to show how great he is. I agree, and especially the road he had to take to get here. They had to win three playoff games on the road. And now those three road playoff games led to a home field Super Bowl, the first time that has ever happened. Uh, obviously, this is kind of a unique circumstance. Don't know how many fans are going to have. Obviously, the Packers had some this week, um, but it, it's going to be weird to see a home team in a Super Bowl. Yeah, I know Florida's restrictions are, you know, basically non-existent. So I'm assuming <laughs> it's going to be a pretty packed house for the Super Bowl. I think that's maybe even part of the reason why they kept it there and we're moving forward with it. But it's definitely going to be interesting to see. Like you said, it's the first time this has ever happened. I'm really curious if it's going to, like, you know, prove a factor. Yeah. um, I don't know. It it could just because most of these teams haven't really had to deal with any crowd noise outside of the synthetic one that's been pumped into stadiums. Uh, but if if there's one offense, because that's really where you, you tend to struggle is on the offensive end trying to communicate, uh, one team that's not really going to be too affected is the Chiefs with just how great they are. Um, at the end of the day, I don't see that being much of a factor, but it will be cool to see a home team in the Super Bowl. Yeah, I know Chiefs fans love to travel for these games, and it is a little weird because of COVID right now. So I definitely think that Bucks fans will be there in plenty, and I can definitely see it making a, you know, a change on the game. Obviously, you have Tom Brady, so it's really not going to affect him much. And like you said, the Chiefs probably not that much, but I, I could definitely see it leaving a little bit of an imprint. My thoughts on this game, though, is you know Tom Brady's clearly the goat, but I think at the end of Patrick Mahomes' uh, career, I think it's really going to be between the two of them as far as the discussion goes. So I feel like this Super Bowl can really kind of hold a little bit of balance uh, towards the Patrick by the end of Patrick Mahomes' career. Yeah, um, obviously Patrick Mahomes. This is like his fourth year really at the at the helm. He's drafted in twenty seventeen. Uh, won it last year. If he can win back to back and win one over Tom, and let's say he can he can sneak in two or three more, uh, it's definitely a definitely a great conversation. And would love to see when when all the chips are done, where Patrick Mahomes ends his career. Um, so I, I definitely would not put it out of the realm of, of possibility. Yeah, Patrick Mahomes very capable of doing things that you know we've never seen before. So that's why I'm really high on him and his career. And I think at the end of it, it's a discussion to potentially be had. Yeah, the only one thing I would say is you do have a lot of good young quarterbacks. We've mentioned Allen. Obviously, you got Lamar Jackson, Kyler Murray, uh, and you still got guys who aren't quite the old generation and Russell Wilson, Aaron Rodgers. will still give them a couple more years of, of some good fight. So it, it really will be interesting to see, you know, 10 years down the line where Mahomes ends up. So score prediction, who you got and by how much? Oh, this hurts me. I want Tom Brady to win, but I just think the Chiefs have too much offensively. My prediction score, I'm going to go 34 to 28 Chiefs. Okay. What about you, my man? I like it. I'm going to go on the other end of the ball. I think Tom Brady plays an amazing game start to finish. I think the Bucks win 38. Ooh, let's go Let's go 38-35. I think it's going to be a close game, but I think Tom Brady's, you know, being a vet and, and the best to ever do it, I think he pulls through for the, for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I like it. I can definitely agree with you. We, we both said it's going to be a high-scoring game, so I definitely think this is going to be a really interesting Super Bowl to watch. Unlike, uh, you know, like two years ago, it was kind of a little, little lackluster with some score last year. Obviously, the uh, Chiefs were able to get it done in the second half, put up a lot of points. I'm really excited for this matchup. But why don't we bounce on over to the NBA uh, got to give some big shout-outs to some guys who have performed well the last week. My guy's got to be Jalen Brown, 
dropped tw- uh, 23, excuse me, he dropped 33 in only 19 minutes against the Red Hot Cavs, who were coming in. Man's been averaging almost 30 since Tatum's been out the last five games. Uh, man's really been balling. I know we talked about him last week, but he's he's kept up his performance. He may have hurt us and gave him a little bit of extra oomph this week. Yeah, I mean, he he definitely listened to the podcast 100%. Uh, I saw him listen to it actually on his Instagram. But um, yeah, Jalen Brown, you know, we I said that he might be the most underrated guy ever, or at least he's in the conversation. People have got to start fucking learning about this guy because he is something special, uh, puts up buckets, absolute bucket getter. And to pair him up with a guy like Tatum. Uh, and Kemba's back now. To pair him up with a guy like Tatum, I'm not too worried about Kemba Walker, but to oh, pair him up with a guy like Tatum, I, I'm really excited to see what these two guys can do as one of the better duos in the NBA. So my, my only question for you, though, is obviously I did mention they just got Kemba back, but without Tatum, they were 2-3. and three. Um, Obviously, they had to play Philly twice, which is a, is a big matchup. Any any worry there without Tatum, what this team can do? Yeah, I mean, they definitely need Jason Tatum right there alongside JB. Uh you know, you said Kemba. I'm not. I'm not too worried about Kemba Walker. I, I like him. I don't think he's a you know a game changer for the Celtics. So, uh, no worry because Tatum will come back and Tatum will come back strong. So once he's back, and I believe he's expected to return Monday. So today, when you guys are hearing this, uh, I, I have a feeling these guys are going to want to tandem together and, and really prove the NBA that they're here to stay. So obviously, I did mention uh, Brown's been averaging almost 30 since Tatum's been out. Do you think JB's numbers take any bit of a hit now that Tatum is coming back? And if so, what would that look like? You think? Yeah. You know, I think the reason Jalen Brown is a little underrated is because he's kind of willing to take a back seat to a guy, a young star like Jason Tatum. So I can definitely see his numbers taking a little bit of a hit, but after what he's proved in this week or so without Tatum, I think being the Celtics best interest to make sure that both of them are getting their shots up. Speaking of both, if you could only build your team around one of these two guys, who are you picking? I mean, I think I got to go Tatum. He's only 19 years old. <laughs> uh, you know, it's actually a lot closer than, you know, a lot of people would think. Uh, like I said, since JB is so underrated, a lot of people don't really pay attention to him. Um, as far as somebody could really get the ball done and who I've, you know, really grown to love with a couple of years, I think I'd go with Tatum over JB right now. But it's, it's a lot closer than people would want to let on. Yeah, I think some of it is because it's supposed to be Jason Tatum's team and he's supposed to be the leader of them that uh, more people would probably pick Tatum over Brown. But I think if you look at the numbers, it would be a really, really close argument as to who you'd pick. But I can uh, I can definitely see these two guys getting a, a championship in their career together. Oh, I agree. I agree for sure. They've definitely got some great young talent uh, for, for many years to come in Boston. So next, let's talk about the Brooklyn Nets, the new Brooklyn Nets. Um, they are one and one while the big three of Kyrie, KD, and James Harden are all on the court together. Uh, is there any worry with that? Um, I mean, it's only been two games. I kind of want a larger sample size. Obviously, uh, I, I don't think at least early on there's going to be a ton of all these three guys playing together. Obviously, Kevin's going to remotely miss some time for kind of healing up and everything. Um, but all in all, Maybe, maybe if they're still around 520 games and playing together, you start getting a little worried. But with the sample size, uh, not too worried at all. And the basketball that they had played when they were together, you know, seemed pretty good. Obviously, the young Cavs team had a lot to prove, and they played really well in the two times they played against the Nets. But I'm really not worried. What about you? Yeah, so they had a loss to the Cavs and a win against the Heat. I think it's going to be really important for all three of these guys to spend as much time together on the court. Uh, obviously, you have KD missing some games for rehab, and, and Kyrie's obviously missing some games. And I'm sure you can imagine he's probably going to miss some more this season. Uh, but I think it's really, really important for them to for all three of them to be on the court at the same time so they can really figure out the hierarchy. I, I don't know what you think or if you kind of want to give your takes on how you think it kind of ranks one to three and what they would be like a best-case scenario for them moving forward. 
So, so you're saying like who's their first option, who's their second, who's their third? That's what you're, you're yeah. asking me. Oh boy, I, I think your first option's got to be it's got to be Kevin Durant. I, I think Kevin Durant, you're you're one. Um, the, the tough part to me is is who you pick between Kyrie. I mean, both these guys are, are obviously walking buckets. Um, I, I'm gonna go with I'm gonna go with Kyrie at two and, and Harden at three. Um, I think Harden knows that he was joining this pair, and I think he was fine with taking uh, a little bit of a backseat. I'll put quotes around it because it's not really much of a backseat role with with what Harden can do. But yeah, that's what I'd say. That'd be my one, two, three: KD, Kyrie, and then Harden. What about you? Yeah, I like that. Uh, I don't know how it's gonna go down. Obviously, since Harden's gotten here, he definitely has taken more of the passive role. Uh, but I also think James Harden's probably the best point guard, like true point guard out of the three. So I would I would agree that I think he does need to, you know, take a step back and distribute the ball a little bit more. But we'll see kind of how the season goes. They might need to switch it up. You know, James Harden can get hot. And when he gets hot, he's, you know, right there with the best of them as far as scoring goes. And, you know, getting to the line is something that's really important to him. So he's really got to have the ball in his hands. Uh, I don't know. You, you kind of go back and you look at the, the Miami Heat big three between LeBron, D. Wade, and Chris Bosh. And what you saw was, you know, Dwayne Wade was, you know, at his peak, not at his peak, but, you know, playing amazing, amazing basketball. And he really kind of had to take a step down for LeBron. And Chris Bosh basically fell off the planet as far as, you know, as a superstar level of play. So it's going to be really interesting to, you know, compare it to these guys. Uh, obviously, KD experienced something similar with the Warriors. Um, you know, Clay had to take a, a back seat, and Steph, Steph and KD were both able to perform at really high levels. But I have yet to see, you know, a big three all stay at that level. Yeah, I mean, obviously, when, when you're talking about the whole Bosch thing, I know some of it was he was a little bit towards the end of his career, was dealing with some health issues. And he was, an, he was a number one on, on a Raptors team who didn't have a ton of weapons around him. So he was able to really uh, be the main facilitator, main man around the ball. Uh, with the Warriors, I obviously think it's a little bit different because of just how great Clay can play off ball. Um, and, and, you know, most of his game, he doesn't need the ball. Where in this scenario, KD wants to have the ball. Kyrie wants to have the ball. Harden has to, wants to have the ball. So I think this is definitely the most interesting of dynamic between the, the three big threes that you've mentioned with the Heat, Warriors, and obviously the Nets. So can you see these three all averaging, you know, 27-plus a game? Um, I mean, part of me thinks they're going to have to, uh, I obviously we, we thought the Nets were, were probably the deepest team top to bottom in the NBA. Obviously they had to get rid of a, a decent amount. Uh, I, I think they're going to need to be averaging probably 90 points combined for the three of them, if they really want to get it done and win a championship, which is obviously their, their goal. Yeah, I agree. I think 90 is a pretty realistic number as well. Uh, obviously with guys like the three of them top you know, three of the top 10 players in the NBA and, you know, top five as far as scoring goes. Uh, talking about another elite score, Curry passes Reggie Miller to become number two in all-time three-point shots made. What are your thoughts on that, man? I mean, it's really just a matter of time. Obviously, Curry um, has just been shooting the ball at a phenomenal clip uh, for for quite some time now. Uh, it'd be interesting to see how long it is till he takes number one. I definitely think he will. Um, you know, what is he, about 400 threes away from, from being the leader, I'd like to see, you know, based on his average, how many seasons that is. I don't think it's going to be too long. Yeah, he's about 400 threes away from Jesus Shuttleworth, a.k.a. Ray Allen, who currently sits at number one. Um, yeah, he, I mean, he's definitely going to take it. Uh, 400 threes is probably about a season and a half for Curry. Um, saying that, do you think Curry is the best three-point shooter of all time? Honestly, I, I think you have to say it. Even, even if you, you take away the numbers, just the way – because, uh, you know, n- numbers come and go. You know, everyone forgets 
you know, down the line, what you did numbers wise, but the way Curry was able to change the game completely. Uh, I mean, you, you have kids playing pickup ball and all they want to do is shoot threes mainly because of what Steph was able to do. And he really reinvented uh, the game in a way that we really haven't seen in quite a long time. So I would say, yeah, he's got to go down as the best three point shooter, not just for his numbers alone, but what he's able to do for the game. Yeah. I, I like that take. I, I would be really, you know, curious to see what a Reggie Miller or Ray Allen would look like, you know, in a today's NBA, because they were able to put up that, that amount of threes, you know, in a different style of NBA. So it'd be really interesting to see that. Uh, a big question I have is who do you think will lead the NBA in threes once James Harden and Steph both retire? Because Harden's only 200 threes behind Steph currently. Uh, Harden's about a year younger. Um, obviously, maybe it hurts Harden a little bit now that he's playing alongside, you know, Kate, uh, Katie and Kyrie. But, you know, that, I think that's a question to be asked. Yeah. So, I mean, kind of off the top of my head, guys, I can think of who are really big three-point shooters. You got guys like Buddy Heald, uh, Trey Young. Um, I mean, you got, I mean, like Joe Harris led our, our one three point contest, but he's not really going to be shooting as much, obviously, with the acquisition of all those weapons with the net. Uh, is there anyone you can think of who could really vile for that spot between those two guys outside of those two guys? Uh, I mean, Trey Young, you know, is in the third, his third year, I believe. Yeah, third year. I, I think down the line, Trey Young could be the greatest shooter of all time. And I think he could absolutely take that spot. Uh, but that's not going to be, you know, for another 15, 16 years. So, I, I'm definitely curious to kind of see who between Steph and James, because they are kind of in their, their league of their own right now, uh, is who's going to finish on top. I would take Steph. Uh, I think Steph is in a better situation and, and currently can make more threes a season than Harden, but it's definitely an interesting race. Yeah, I would be be very interested to see who ends up winning it. And, and really moving forward with the NBA guys coming into the NBA ready to shoot threes as much as they can. Uh, maybe maybe some guys who, who are young like Trey can, can uh, pass Steph maybe. Yeah, so let's move on into the Sixers. They were red hot this week. Joel Embiid, you know, playing like an MVP caliber player. Uh, they went 3-0 this week, including 2-0 against the second-place Celtics. Joel Embiid was able to average 37.5 with 11.5 rebounds over the week. What do you think? Yeah, I think the 2-0 over the Celtics is a little bit misleading because they didn't have Jason Tatum in either of those two games. But nonetheless, great week for Joel and Philly altogether. Um, I mean, the, when I say altogether, I really – want to put emphasis maybe not when, when we're talking about ben simmons i know we talked off air uh after the last philly game that we want to see more from ben simmons uh, I, i'm kind of disappointed with, with where he's been at thus far this year what, what's your thoughts on on him yeah we i mean the 76ers absolutely need more out of ben simmons if they're going to be able to push out of the east uh, i think that's the most important thing for they to make out of the east obviously you have the nets now you have the celtics there's a lot of uh teams that are out there bucks uh, that can make out of these. So if they have a true shot, it's going to need to come off of better production from Ben Simmons. I also wouldn't be surprised if Ben Simmons is moved at some point this season to kind of surround uh, around Joel Embiid after seeing uh, his performance thus far into the season playing at an MVP level. Uh, but yeah, Ben Simmons is going to be the crucial part for this team and whether or not he could really step it up and start producing more points runs and assists what about another guy uh what about tobias harris obviously he played really well in his last game against the celtics what, what have you seen out of him uh you know tobias has been a disappointment since he got into philadelphia uh love the guy off the court and i think he can bring a lot to an nba locker room and an nba team but uh he struggled since he got into philadelphia uh they really tried to make him into a shooter and he was more of a mid-range you know off the dribble turnaround fadeaway kind of guy and, and i definitely think uh he struggled in this system 
So do you, do you think they could they could uh, potentially trade Tobias instead of Ben, or maybe maybe both of them make some some crazy moves? Uh, I know a lot of people and a lot of NBA executives don't like Tobias's uh, contract, so I honestly think trying to move him, you're not going to be getting the assets that you would uh, like back. So I don't see them moving on from Tobias uh, personally. I mean, speaking of assets. The uh, 76ers did get back the other Curry. Seth Curry made his return, and I thought he played pretty well for Philly. I think he's going to be a key guy knocking on some late shots at the end of games, much like how J.J. Redick was for them a few years ago. Yeah, man, I love Seth Curry. When he was on Sacramento, I was a big Seth Curry fan. I thought you know, he wasn't getting the minutes that he deserved, and he's really proved uh, himself in the league to this point. Uh, he's definitely a high asset for this team. Uh, I like to compare my game to Seth Curry. I don't want to go out there and say I'm Steph, but – you know, if you catch me on the court, it's it, you might be catching flashes of Seth Curry. I, you know, uh, I, I've seen glimpses of it maybe maybe twice ever. Uh, obviously, your time at Sonoma, you you were balling out. I don't think anyone can argue that. But uh, back to balling out, do you think MB can win MVP? Obviously, we have not had a center win MVP since Shaq in 2000. Can, can a center get an MVP in this league in this day and age? I'm going to be honest. He's going to need to average 35 uh, and over probably 12 rebounds a game for, for a center to win it. There's just so much good forward and guard play in this league right now. I love what he's doing, and I, and I think if he keeps it up, he's definitely going to stay in the conversation. But he's going to need some amazing play uh, to bring home an MVP. Yeah, I mean, I guess my thought is, is if we're not getting the amount of, of play out of Ben Simmons that they need to and Philly is able to be a number one, I think uh, Joel could do that. You know, that's definitely what they're going to need out of him if Simmons is going to struggle. Uh, I, I like your mark, probably 35 and 12. Um I, I think that's fair, but I, but I also do agree that guard heavy league, forward heavy league. Uh, unfortunately, I just don't see him being able to get it done. But it would be it would be great to see see a center win one for once. And I know we've talked about it multiple times throughout the podcast, but I mean, if we want to be true and honest, LeBron James has probably been the true MVP uh, for the last 12, 13, 14 years. Um, so let's just take away from that. Uh, you know, anyone who's winning MVP in the last decade had to go through LeBron and, and, you know, it was LeBron's award, but they, you know, they can't just give it to LeBron every season. I think that's fair. You might, you might be a couple of years that you could sneak someone else in there that was actually pretty fair, but, but I agree. That's kind of some of the unfortunate part about the MVP is a lot of it is narrative based. It's not just, you know, what did you do for your team compared to what did other guys do for their team? It is unfortunate, but I, you know, I think, I think NBA players know that and they realize that obviously there's only so much you can do off of the court to kind of build a narrative. But, you know, at the end of the day, these guys are going out getting buckets, but I would love to see Joel get, get one. Absolutely. Why don't we move on to another guy who's a possible MVP. Good old Paul George has been absolutely balling for the Clippers. They're tied for number one in the West. Man's been averaging 25, six and five and a half assists. He's currently on pace to shoot 51 from 51% of the field. 50% from three and 91% from the free throw line. Haven't seen a stat line like that in a very, very long time. Yeah, man, I love to see this. I love Paul George, and he was getting some hate in the bubble. Uh, he definitely underperformed, and he's been underperforming in the playoffs. Uh, but I love to come, you know, see him come out here and, and start hot this season. Uh, if he can keep it up, I think the Clippers uh, are in a real, real good spot moving into the playoffs. Yeah, I, I do have a question for you. you. You did mention kind of the woes and issues that they had. Do you think the Clippers have kind of fixed all that from the postseason slash bubble that, that they were going through? Uh, no, I don't. I don't think they have. Um, 
I think one big issue lies behind Lou Williams and his lack of ability to kind of contribute on the court. I don't know if maybe, you know, his swag's been dampened or, or what's going on in the locker room, but Lou Williams does not look like the same player. And I think if they are to make a run or, or you know, be one of the best teams in the league, it's they're going to need uh, bench production from Lou Will. Yeah, I agree. Man, like Lou Will has not been playing up to his standards. Uh some of me thinks it might just be kind of a, some of the quick turnaround from the off season. Didn't get much of it. I mean, obviously we know Lou Will's a bucket, and I think when it does get a little bit closer towards the end of the season, in the playoffs, he will pick up his game, kind of similar like Rondo, who finds a way to elevate and do what he needs for his team when the time comes. Um, but but I you know I think they're going to be an okay spot. They really haven't been tested a ton. I, I want to see him overcome some some big adversity and really grow together. I know that was a big issue with some of the chemistry. Uh, at, towards the end of the season, some of the guys being kind of burned out with one of another. Yeah, I definitely uh, think people are sleeping on this Clippers team slightly because of the bubble, uh, you know, performance that they had. They got the talent, obviously, bet- uh, between Kawhi and Paul George. I mean, those are some of the best guys in the league. So moving forward, it's definitely going to be interesting to see who could finish out in the West on top. Uh, I definitely think that they have a shot at it, though. Yeah, speaking of being kind of overshadowed, I think it is partly because of the other L.A. team, the Lakers. Both of them are at 13-4. and four. Who do you think is the better L.A. team, Clippers or Lakers? Oh, it's easy for me. It's Los Angeles Lakers. To me, it's not even close. I, I think you need Kawhi and Paul George to play out of their mind special uh, to be able to beat this Lakers team. Well, now the Lakers are a little bit more balanced. LeBron doesn't need to, you know, have – 28 points a game for them to win between Dennis and Montrez. Uh, Anthony Davis is looking like a superstar, obviously. Um, I, I think it's the Lakers. It's really not even close for me. Yeah, obviously Lakers won two of the three matchups against Clippers. Obviously it was at the, the very beginning of the season, so it's kind of unfair to tell. But I agree, top to bottom, Lakers I do think are the better team, and I do think – uh, as opposed to Clippers, where you need both your, your two stars to be on it. You can get away if you're a Lakers with LeBron having an average game and AD playing well or vice versa, but I don't think you're able to do that if you are the Clippers. So I, I agree. Lakers are, are definitely the better team top to bottom. Yeah, and just to finish up the podcast, I kind of wanted to you know, put some Kings talk in here for all the Kings fans that are listening uh, or just me so I could you know, talk Kings because that's what I love to do. We got to get a, a cowbell sound effect in here for, for the cowbell kingdom when, it, when it's your turn to speak on it. Yeah, that'd be pretty funny. Uh, the Kings were able to get the win against the Knicks, moving them to 6-10. and 10. You know, I was looking at the standings earlier today. Uh, obviously, there's the play-in for the playoffs now, so the 9 and 10 seed have a shot. The Kings could e- easily fend for a nine or ten. As far as you know, getting truly into the playoffs at seven, eight, I'm not sure about that. But you know, they really just need to put together. Obviously, we talked about it last pod. They currently rank worst uh, defense in the league. But you know, I think that they can really get it together between De'Aaron Fox and Tyrese Halbert, and that's one of the best defending backcourts in the NBA. So I think really once they kind of get it going, I definitely think we're going to be able to compete in more games. And and I can definitely see the Kings uh, sliding in at nine or ten and getting into the playoff uh, play-in. So, obviously, I know you haven't been happy with the performance. Obviously, they had a great start from the Kings. Do you, you really see them being able to bounce out like a Dallas Mavericks or a Warriors team or, uh, who, who are ahead of them right now? Yeah, so, I mean, like, looking at the standings right now, uh, I think that they're better than the Spurs. Um, they're better than the Warriors. They're better than the Rockets. So when I say better, I mean on any given night, they can beat these teams uh, on a consistent basis. Uh, Thunder, I think they can beat. Uh, Pelicans, they can beat. Timberwolves, they can beat. So outside of that top eight, you know, the Clippers, Lakers, Jazz, Blazers, Nuggets, Grizzlies, Suns, and Mavericks, uh, I think 
you know, outside of them, they can really slide in at nine or 10 because I think they, they can beat any of those teams. Yeah, I definitely agree. Obviously, Rockets uh, are, are kind of in a rebuild mode. I can never see them jumping ahead of them. Thunder, uh, I don't think quite have all the pieces, obviously, with without uh, Chris Paul to really help elevate those young guys. I see him jumping over them. For me, I, I definitely think it's going to be uh, Spurs are in the eight seed, Mavericks nine, Warriors 10, and then Kings. Uh, I think it's going to be those teams fighting for that eight, nine, and 10 spot. If we get the Kings from, from the first part of the season, I definitely say, you know, they make probably nine or 10 comfortably. If it's, if it's the Kings we've gotten as of late, I, I honestly, unfortunately don't see it happening. So we'll definitely have to see what they can do from the defensive end. Cause you know what they can do on the offensive end, uh, especially with De'Aaron Fox really elevating his game this year. Yeah. You know, I, I, I see very often that the Kings are sitting in a zone defense and then switching to a man and I get what they're trying to do. They're just trying to throw different things at these teams, but I think it's hurting them. I think what you need to do is hold every man accountable, run some man to man, uh, and if you're not playing defense, you're not playing in the game. And, and, you know, really get guys behind each other, backing each other up, helping on screens. You know, defense is all effort. Obviously, you have, you know, attributes that help, quick feet, long arms, you know, good strides. But at the end of the day, defense is all heart. So if you can really get guys buying in and helping each other out, I think that's where you'll see the defense improving. Uh, and I think that's what they need to do looking uh, moving forward. Yeah, I agree. We'll definitely have to see what they do scheme-wise, if they change anything up. I know you, you've talked about maybe uh, some organizational moves. Uh, I, I'm I'm interested to see what the Kings do moving forward because they definitely got to change something if, if they're trying to vibe for a playoff spot this year. Yeah, so that's all we have for you guys today. We just want to thank you guys so much. And obviously, as always, uh, if you guys want us to talk about anything in particular, hit us up on the podcast at First Team All Podcast. Uh, we'd love to hear from you guys, and thank you guys so much for listening. One love. Peace. RJ Hampton.